we're talking about the DNA series and the the topic for me today um, was making evident our restoration through God's power. It's pretty funny how today we're talking about this one. Um, but I wanted to ask, I just wanted to ask you a question and I, and I want to talk about this question. I want to talk about a couple of different things um, and then we'll see what happens. The question I wanted to ask you that we should ask ourselves and that I've asked myself this week is this. Are we a slave to fear or are we a servant of the king? Are we a slave to fear or are we a servant of the king? About three weeks ago, when I earmarked this message, when I was like, yeah, I'm, I, I want to preach on that, um, it, it, in, instantly on that day, I, I was driving home from the office and God just started downloading like a whole lot of stuff to me. You know, uh, Bible verses, uh, things regarding this topic, like stories, examples from my life. Um, but he, he asked me this question. He said, Nathan, do you live your life as a slave to fear or do you live as a servant of the king? This is a question that I've uh, mulled over and thought over, over and over again over the last two weeks. It got me thinking, what's the difference between a slave and a servant? Does anyone know the difference between a slave and a servant? How about we do this? If you... Put, like, just shout something out that you think describes the terminology slave. Bondage. Involuntary labor. Oh. <laughs> no pay, no control, no benefits, no rights, no freedom. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. I pulled this uh, definition um, off... Google, I was reading it on the side. A slave is a person who is the legal property of another person. <laughs> Husband. Um, what about a servant? Shout out some things that you think define or are words that you associate when you hear the word servant. Free will. Voluntary. To do what his master wants. Yeah. To give service. The definition of a servant is a person who willingly performs duties for another. Are we a slave to fear or are we a servant of the king? So there's a very clear difference between the terminology of slave and servant. Very clear. If you have your Bibles, if you want to just turn to Mark chapter 5. It's a well, it's a well-known chapter. I've actually preached on it before. Um, I'm not going to preach on it again. It is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, however, I will say that. Um I actually just want to focus on the first story, which is a man um, who, he's the man who has the legion, he is overcome by the legion of demons, and Jesus comes to him. Uh, I'm not going to read all of it, but we, we all know what the story is. 
I just want to focus on the second half of the story. Because I, I think this story is a really clear depiction of a man who, at the beginning of the story, is a slave. And at the end of the story, he's a servant. We're going to pick it up. Actually, you know what? Let's just read the whole thing. From verse 1. Then they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of Gadarenus. And when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. This man had his dwelling among the, to- among the tombs, and no one could bind him, not even with chains. Because he had been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles had been broken, no one, neither of them, could tame him. And always night and day he was in the mountains, in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus afar, he ran and worshipped him. And he cried out with a loud voice, saying, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. And Jesus said to him, Come out of the man, unclean spirit. Jesus asked, What is your name? And he replied, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. He also begged him earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. Now a large herd of swine was feeding them there near the mountains. And so all the demons begged him, saying, Send us into the swine, that we may enter them. And at once Jesus gave them permission, then the unclean spirits went out and entered the swan. There were about 2,000, and the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea, and they drowned in the sea. And so those who fed the swine fled, and they told it in the city and in the country, and they went out to see what it was that had happened. And then they came to Jesus and saw one who had been demon-possessed and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who saw it told him how it happened, and to him who had been demon-possessed about the swine. And then they began to plead with Jesus to depart from the region. At this point in time, and and how we, what we've just read from this story, it, it's very clear that this man was a slave to fear. This, way, this man was a man that was so in bondage, so overcome, that he would cry night and day whilst cutting himself with stones. He's also a man who in a moment with a sentence becomes set free and put in his right mind and fully clothed to the point where the people that are in the town that knew of this man came to see and they were afraid. In verse 18, it says, When Jesus got into the boat, he who had been demon-possessed begged him that he might be with him. However, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him this, Go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord had done for you and how he has had compassion on you. And so the man departed and he proclaimed in Decapolis 
all that Jesus had done for him, and all marveled. So he went to Decapolis. For those that don't know, the word Decapolis means 10 cities. So this man went to 10 cities, the cities in that area where he was from. He went to 10 cities. And the same people who were afraid, the same people who came to witness and see what the Lord had done, who were afraid, were the same people who marveled at this man's restoration, at this man's transformation. Are we a slave to fear or are we a servant of the king? See, I think this man at the beginning of chapter 5 was a slave to fear. And I think at the end of the chapter 5, he was a servant of the king. He was a man who made evident his restoration through God's power. I didn't know this until this morning. But if you flick ahead a couple of chapters to chapter 7 in Mark, you don't have to, I'm just going to tell you about it. But if you flip ahead to chapter 7 in Mark, Jesus actually comes to this area again. It's in verse 31. I'm going to read it. It says, Again, departing from the region of Tyre and Sidon, he came through the midst of the region Decapolis, near the Sea of Galilee. And it's telling us, it goes on to tell a story about how they brought the de- a deaf man to Jesus and Jesus um, healed this deaf man's ear. But then if you, if you read on even further into chapter 8, it's the story of the 4,000 that were fed. I find it so significant that uh, I'm not sure of the timeline in terms of exact years of time, but I find so significant that in chapter 5, these people are saying they're afraid of Jesus. Can you please go away? This man is commanded by Jesus. He's commissioned by Jesus to go back to his city and to tell of all the things and how the Lord has had compassion on him. It states that all people marveled. Two chapters later, Jesus goes back to the same region and performs one of the largest miracles in terms of new miracle numbers throughout his ministry, where he feeds 4,000 people. Those are the same 4,000 people that two chapters earlier told him to please go away, we are afraid. This man made evident his restoration, his transformation through God's power. I want to tell you another story. It's the story of uh, of David. It's a story that you're all probably familiar with. It's the story of how David uh, brought the Ark of the Covenant, which was captured and in the in the hands of the Philistines, and how he brought it back to his city. If you want to turn to Second Samuel, Second Samuel, sorry, Second Samuel, chapter six, there are two parts to this story. One part is the 
incorrect transportation of the ark. And what happens is, so the ark is being transported um, and it begins to fall. And one of David's servants named Uzzah, he breaches down and touches the ark and he ends up dying um, because he touched the ark. And David then left the ark and came back to the ark and began to transport transport it again differently. We're going to pick it up in verse 13. And so it was when those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six paces that David sacrificed an ox and a fattened sheep. And then David danced before the Lord with all his might and David was wearing a linen ephod. And so David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of a trumpet. And now as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michal, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw King David leaping and whirling before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. That's his wife, for people who don't know. And so they brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place in the midst of the tabernacle where David, that David had erected for it. And then the, David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And when David had finished offering burnt offerings and peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord. He distributed among all the people, among the whole multitude of Israel, both the women and the men, to everyone a loaf of bread, a piece of meat, and a cake of raisins. And so all that departed... All the people departed, everyone to his own house. And then David returned to bless his house, and Michal, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said this, How glorious was the king of Israel today, uncovering himself in the eyes of his maidservants, and as one of the base fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. And so David said to Michal, It was before the Lord who chose me instead of your father and all of this house to appoint me the ruler over the people of the Lord. Therefore, I will play music before the Lord. And therefore, I will be even more undignified than this. I will be humble in my own sight, but as for the maidservants of whom you have spoken, by them I will be held in honor." And I will become even more undignified than this. I think this this story there's a there's a lot of things in this story for me that that are super awesome. There's a lot of things in this story that you can focus on. The part that I want to focus on. And what I feel like the Lord wants us to focus on this morning comes back to my question, are we a slave to fear or are we a servant of the king? David wasn't a servant of the king. He was the king. But David was a servant of the Lord. David was a man that was after God's own heart. David was a man who loved God and followed his lead. He wasn't perfect. He didn't get it right. He made some big mistakes. But I love his position and the posture of his heart in this story. 
I love that even though his own wife has despised him in her heart, even though his own wife has said, you have embarrassed me, you have revealed yourself in a way that is not king-like, that is not like what the culture says should be, that he still has the faith, has the courage to stand and say, actually, no, I am doing what I am called to do. I am doing what the Lord has asked me to do, and I will do it even more than I am doing it right now. I used to always think that David danced naked around the ark. The young boy in me used to always think that. That is not true. David danced in a linen ephod. A linen ephod is, um, it's, the ephod is a term that, in, to explain it for you, it's actually that he's wearing priestly robes. So the priests who were set apart to minister to the Lord, they wore ephods. David, being a king, didn't wear an ephod. He wore his kingly robes. He wore his crown. He wore his armor. David was a man who had the highest position, the most honorable position in the land. Yet he was also a man who was not afraid and was not bound to being in that position. He was a man who was not a slave to fear. He was a man that was that knew the Lord enough. that he was not bound to fear, that he had the confidence to dance before the Lord. So I think David is making evident in this story his love and his surrender and his obedience to God. Even against his wife. The person who's meant to love and support him the most the person who is with him. And I know, I know culturally, like they, relationships were very different back then. But even against his wife, he was not afraid to stand and to make evident his restoration. I'm not saying we all wear a linen ephod and dance like David did around an ark. But what I am suggesting this morning And what I think God's saying to us this morning, through worship, through what Paul shared, through um, what mum shared, I think what God's saying to us this morning is that we have an opportunity to respond. How we respond is up to you. You can respond from the position of being a slave to fear, or you can respond from the position of being a servant of the king. Both difficult. Both cost in different ways. But I feel like the Lord is asking us this morning as a body, as a people, as a congregation, He's asking us to respond as servants of the King. You see, because the moment that we accepted Christ into our hearts, that was the moment that we were actually set free from being a slave of fear. That was actually the moment 
when I was six years old and I made a decision to follow Jesus, that was the moment, whether I realized it or not back then, that was the moment that I was free from being a slave to fear, that I was free from being a slave to sin, that 2,000 years ago when Jesus died on the cross, that was the moment he paid for it all. And when I was six years old, I accepted that whether I realized it or not. It's taken me the better part of 15 to 16 years to actually walk it out in my life. But that was the moment. And I look around and I know that every one of you have had that moment with God. We all have. And if you haven't had it, there's an opportunity for you to have it this morning. But I know that majority of you in this room have had that moment with God. And I think it's time that we begin to own our position to choose to be a servant of the king. Because it's a choice. We have a responsibility to make evident our restoration through God's power. It's actually a command. We've worded it a little bit differently, but everyone here knows the thing called the Great Commission. Yeah? It's in the Bible. It's in the Gospels. They all say it in a different way. And we've, we've made a snazzy little sentence saying, make evident our restoration. But we are called. We are called to do this. To make evident means to show a visible sign that leads one to a definite conclusion. To make evident means to show a visible sign that leads one to a definite conclusion. And that's what I want to leave you with this morning. That actually, that when you make that choice to be a servant of the King, that when you respond in obedience to what you feel like the Father is asking you to do, just like that man who was set free from the legion of demons, Jesus commanded him to go back and to tell all of the compassion that I've had on you. And he did. Just like David, a man who knew that the Lord had appointed him to be the ruler and the king over Israel, that knew that the God deserved the highest praise and the highest worship. That he would be, he would, he would be so courageous and so full of faith that he would dress himself in another one's clothes, that he would expose himself by worldly standards and worship God because he just doesn't give a rip about what other people think. We are called to do the same. We are called to do the same. We are called to live under the mastery of one. Of one. Not of many. Not of my fiancé and my friends and my other friends and God and my family. I'm called to live under the mastery of one. That is Jesus. We are called to do that too. I want to I want to pray for you this morning. I want to pray for all of us this morning. I want to pray for myself this morning.
because it's it's not by our power that we make evident our restoration. It's by God's power. It's by His Spirit. And I know I harp on about this all the time. I was thinking back to like the the previous messages that I've spoken recently, and I seem to be coming back to the same point every time. I was thinking this morning, like, God, like, pull me back to, like, like, let me land my sermon in a different spot. I legit prayed that this morning. I said, God, would you please give me something else so that I can land my sermon in a different spot because I sound like a broken record. Like, legit, legit. I pray that prayer this morning. God, would you please just let me land somewhere else? Because I don't want to keep saying that it's by your power and it's by your spirit and that it's not our, it's not by our power and it's not by our might and that it's by surrender and that it's by living our lives and dedicating them to you and, and that you do it through us. And, and I went on and on and on. And while I was praying that really dumb prayer, God, would you give me something else? I realized, wait, but that's like, that's the whole point. That's the main thing. I actually don't want to land anywhere else. I don't care if I sound like a broken record. Like I don't. I don't care if I've got nothing else to say to you except that we need to surrender every part of our life and that it's by us being servants of a king that we can see this world experience Jesus. But the reality is that's the bottom line. No snazzy sentence, no word that can be spoken. Nothing. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I got nothing else for you except to tell you that we are called as believers. If you've given your life to Christ, you are commanded to go into all the world, to preach the gospel, to make disciples. It's our responsibility. And we can only do that by owning it. We can only do that by saying no to being a slave to fear, by actually walking in the purpose, walking in the freedom that Christ paid for on the cross. Nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. I'm going to tell one story and then I'm going to close. Two years ago, when I came uh, on my missions trip to Australia the first time, we went to Bendigo, and we were doing this worship night. And we were putting on this big worship night, and we were going to go after healing, and we are going to do, like, you know, do all that stuff. Like, we were going to just go for it. We're just going to show up, worship, and just pray and see what God does. And we ended up, you know, like we ended up walking through the streets and like telling people about it and praying for people on the streets and inviting them along. We ended up getting like a few hundred people there, which was awesome. I was super excited about it. Gets halfway through the night and, you know, we, we've been worshipping and kind of, it's kind of like three hours of just worship and we're kind of in this middle spot where we're wanting to do some ministry and we feel like God's wanting to go after some things. And I remember I was sitting down um, and I was just praying and I had my Bible in my hand. I was like, God, if you would just like, you know, if you want me to say something, then just give me something. Like if you want me to go after, if you want me to minister to something, if you want, if you want to see people get healed, like tell me what you want to heal kind of thing. 
And I remember, I remember God told me so clearly, he's like, Nathan, I want to break addictions tonight. Nathan, I want to see people break free from addictions that have held them in their lives. And I was like, like, awesome. Like, that's really cool. Like, yes, I want to see people free from addiction too. Like, God, what addictions are you wanting to break people free from? He was like, um, he said porn. He said drugs. He said like a whole list of things. All these things that are really like, kind of like taboo things that aren't really spoken. You know, things that are kind of on the fringe that you're like, yeah, we know, we pray for that and we want to see breakthrough in that. However, like it's a little bit like uh, to talk about it. It's a little bit uncomfortable. And I remember instantly in that moment, fear came over me. That the confident prayer that I prayed 30 seconds beforehand, saying, God, just give me something. I, I, I want to minister tonight. I want to see people free turned to fear, like immediately. I was like, I could feel it in my chest. I was afraid because I knew that God was asking me to stand up there and talk about that stuff and actually go after seeing people get free from that stuff. He asked me, and I remember sitting in my chair, just like, not shaking, but like internally shaking because I'm like, nah, 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 nah. Like, number one, I'm the only Aussie on this trip and, like, these people are in Bendigo. That's two and a half hours away from my house. When I come back from third year, I will be in Melbourne. And if I get up and talk about that stuff, like, like they, they can find me, like, easily. Two, I don't want to get up and talk about that stuff because that stuff's, like, kind of taboo. And, you know, like, I just don't want to talk about it. Three, like, oh, you know, what if I, what if I deliver this word wrong? What if I, you know, what, what if I screw it up? What if I don't talk about it right? And what if it gets weird? What if their pastor comes up and tells me to get off stage because I've just talked about something that's not good? These are the thoughts that were circulating in my head. Fear, anxiety, fear, reason to not, reason to not, anxiety. I remember they're just sitting there like shaking, like I was, I was visibly like full of fear. My troop leader came over and she said, I know you've got something. Here's a microphone. You can get up whenever you want and go for it. I'm not going to force you. So I was sitting there for a good, like, five or ten minutes, just, like, thinking, like, processing everything in my mind to try and convince myself not to do it while I have the microphone and my Bible in my hand. I, I remember saying to God, like, all right, God, I'll do this if you give me a sign. Dangerous. So dangerous. In hindsight, I have no idea why I said that because of course he was going to give me a sign. I was like, God, if the worship team stopped playing and one of the worship leaders says, I feel like one of our team has something and they need to get up right now and do it, then I'll do it. Not even 30 seconds later, they get, uh, the worship leader just, like, the song comes down to a spot, and he's like, I feel like we're not meant to worship anymore. Sure, like, does one of our team have a word or something that needs to be shared? Exactly after I said that. So I, you know, have the microphone in my hand. I, I walk up onto the stage, and I'm on the stage, and, like, my hand's, like, shaking like this. I don't usually shake when I talk, because, like, I'm comfortable talking to people, but, like, I'm, like, like shaking, like... Because I'm, I'm so nervous about what I feel like God has for me. 
to share with the people. And this is, you know, the statement I make where physical obedience brings spiritual release. This is where that statement became real for me. This is why, this is why I harp on about that statement over and over again. Because in that moment, I made a physical step of obedience. And I got up. And I shared, and I, and I said, I feel like God wants people to become free tonight. And I said, with every eye open and with everyone looking around the room, if you're someone who struggles with one of these things, I want you to stand up. And I was like, I was like shaking, shaking at that point. And I waited. 15 seconds goes. Dead silence. Everyone's looking. Like everyone's looking. And I'm, and I'm like standing there saying like, I know that people are going to stand. Like I know that p- there's people in here. And I've named this thing and no one's standing up. 30 seconds goes by. No one's standing up. It's getting awkward because there's silence. I'm not talking. And I'm just standing here, just shaking. No one's standing up. 45 seconds go by. No one stands up. Oh, man, I'm getting emotional. Um, And then down in the back corner, right down the very back corner, there's this man, don't know his name, but he stands up. And he yells from the top of his lungs. I'm sick and I'm tired of my life. I'm tired of my pain and my addiction. I want freedom. That's all he yells. And then it's like a domino effect in the room. Person after person after person. In the end, and we probably had like close to 50 or 60 people stand up. 50 or 60 people who had pain and addiction in their life stood up. They took a step of faith. And they stood up. To this day, it's still visibly obviously a moment that it just moves me for so many different reasons. But to me, the the thing that stings me the most about that story, the thing that I... the thing that I don't want to forget and and the promise that I make to myself and that I I feel like God wants you to make to yourself today. It's actually something that mum just said before. She said, I never want to be the person that gets in the way of something that God wants to do. I also never want to be the person that doesn't do something which stops God from doing something. You see, because in that moment, I had a choice. I could have stopped And I could have not shared. And maybe we didn't go into that space that night. And then maybe those 50 or 60 people don't stand up. Maybe they don't receive freedom. There's a whole lot of what ifs there. I'm going to leave you with this. I I just, I feel like there's such a, a pressing 
question from God for us this morning. I'm going to say it again. Are we a slave to fear or are we a servant of the king? Because if we live our lives as a servant of the king, you never know what could happen. You'd never know what could happen. I don't want to see us be a people that are bound by fear, that are slaves to fear. I want us to be a people that are servants of the King. So would you close your eyes? I just want to pray. God. Oh, Lord. God, we just pray that, Lord, that you would give us the courage God that you would give us the boldness to be servants of you Lord that you would give us the courage to not be slaves to fear Lord that you would give us the courage to stand in faith and act believe walk talk belong like servants of a king. Would you let it be so in my life, in our lives? Would you let it be so? Would you let it be so? God, I just pray that for anyone here who feels like they're like the man, where they're so bound up by fear, Lord, that they're so bound up that they can't see a way out, that they can't see anything, Lord. I just pray that you would just set them free right now. Lord, as mum prayed before, God, that we would, we would be a people that would stand in faith, Lord, that we wouldn't be held back by fear, that we wouldn't be held back by anxiety, Lord, that but we would be a people that know your voice and that are able to follow your lead. God, would you do that in our hearts? God, and in places where we've been complacent, Lord, in, in areas of our lives where we've just just said, nah, like, nah. Lord, we just apologize. God, I'm sorry for, for not telling more people about you. God, we're sorry for not making our restoration, the restoration that you've done in our lives. Lord, we're sorry for not making that just a little bit more evident because it's just a little bit too hard. God, we're sorry. Give us the courage. Give us the strength. Lord, let it be by your power. Lord, let it be by your might, by your spirit. God, we ask these things in your name. Amen.